a year ago that day, I reached out and told my parents like, hey, I need some help. And I thought that was kind of good because I see a lot of Instagram activists that post like, oh, today's like six months since my suicide attempt or six months since I first did this. But I thought, well, why don't I do six months or like a year since I reached out? Hey, welcome back to Normalize the Conversation. Today, I'm here with Mary Walker. Mary is a mental health advocate. On her Instagram account, Mary shares support, education, and awareness of mental health issues we all face. You can follow Mary at a.little.love.and.smiles. Mary, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you really? Hi, I'm all right. Um, summer's definitely been kind of a struggle for me, but um, you know, every day has been different, I'd say. I love that answer because every day is different. And a lot of times when someone asks, how are you? Everyone's like, oh, I'm good. I'm great. But it is different every day and we do struggle sometimes. So thank you for being so honest and open. (laughs) So I love your page, but what inspired you to start it? Yeah, so I started it around my sophomore year. Um, It was kind of during the heart of all of my um, depression and anxiety waves, I would say. And, um, you know, I kind of started with very simple posts that I found online or on Pinterest. Um, you know, just, I posted every time, every once in a while, it was more for me than for everyone else. I found myself posting more in my story when I was struggling more. Um, and then kind of, I really started to ramp up my page in quarantine Um, And I posted a video of me playing the ukulele, which is something I picked up in quarantine. It was just something to keep me sane. Um, And it was actually like that year, a year ago that day, I reached out and told my parents like, hey, I need some help. And I thought that was kind of good because I see a lot of Instagram activists that post like, oh, today is like six months since my suicide attempt or six months since I first did this but I thought well why don't I do six months or like a year since I reached out instead of um you know something a little a little more hopeful in the time of quarantine where everyone was struggling I love that so much you're so right a lot of times we see six months since my last suicide attempt or since I've got out of the psych ward or since the last time I self-harmed and it doesn't always have to get to that point Mm -hmm. we can reach out for support first and I feel like that's such an important message that we're really missing right now in the mental health community is you don't have to wait till it's that bad you can reach out before so I love that you are doing that but you mentioned you started the page right in the heart of your depression when it was getting really bad what was that like and how did you go about navigating? Yeah, um, honestly, like depression did this weird thing to me where I don't really remember much of it. And I felt like every day was just kind of this blur. Um, I remember it took me a while to describe what I was feeling. Um, at this point, I had already reached out and told my parents that I needed help and they were really supportive. Thankfully, they got me in therapy right away. Um, 
but it was still so hard for me to describe to describe like what was going on. So I found this acronym that I used. I felt like there was the sea level, and that at the bottom of the ocean, I that was like at my worst, and then at the top of the ocean was kind of on the surface. So I was kind of somewhere in the middle, and I called it neutrally buoyant. And once I found that acronym. I felt it was a lot easier to describe where I was. My parents would ask me, where are you in the ocean today? Um, you know, and I was still underwater. I felt like I couldn't catch my breath really. Um, but, you know, once I found it, I found it easier once I was able to kind of describe what I was feeling and talk, start talking about it. I think a lot of people struggle with that, putting it into words. How do I explain what I'm feeling when I don't know myself? And I love that you created that acronym and talking about it in relation to the ocean. That's something that we can all understand. We can all understand that feeling of drowning and being stuck on the bottom and starting to rise and to be able to explain it and where I am in the ocean is such a great way to connect with your parents and let them know how you're feeling in a way that makes sense to both you and them. So I love that you did that. Yeah, thank you. Um, But other than that, I mean, so like the day-to-day was really rough. Um, I kind of, when I was really struggling, I kind of just zoned in and focused more on my schoolwork and focused more on like, okay, I just need to get through these next two hours and then I can go home and do whatever I just need to like grind pretty much I wasn't really focused on um not really self-care but more just trying to get through um and you know sometimes that doesn't work for people but it definitely worked for me when I was just focusing on the day-to-day um yeah it's funny how we live in this world where everyone talks about self-care, 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 and what does that mean? But we don't talk about the other end of it, as in what do we do to get through the day? We can't be doing self-care 24-7. We all have all these responsibilities and all these stressors on our shoulders. So like with school, for example, just getting through the next two hours is so important. And I think a lot of people can relate to that feeling but no one really talks about it that way. It's all just use self-care or start thinking positive or change the way you're thinking. But sometimes you can't. Sometimes you have to focus on just getting through the next two hours. Mm-hmm. How did you kind of help yourself get into that mindset? Um, I don't really I think like there, there was a time in my journey that I would just would not like my social anxiety really ramped up, I would say. Um, I didn't really, this was a time, I think beginning of my sophomore year and I'm a rising senior now. um, And I didn't really have the closest group of friends at this time. So my social anxiety was just ramped. I felt like I had eyes on me all the time. I felt like everything I did was being judged. So I was like, I can't just focus on this. I just need to have tunnel vision, just walk down the hallway, get to my next class, because I realized it was really tearing me apart, my own thoughts, really, my school, like, I felt like everyone was against me, when really that wasn't the case, Um, but I 
felt like I just needed to grind it out and kind of focus on schoolwork. And I was a dancer at that time and I was also playing a sport. So I really just needed to focus on the things that were substantial for me. That is so powerful. I think that the social anxiety part specifically, a lot of us face social anxiety, especially in school. When we see how many people are doing better than us on test or have a better sense of fashion or have the new shoes or have just anything, there's always something that someone has that we kind of compare ourselves to. And then there's groups of kids that have it. And why don't I have it? Why am I not included? And we kind of get in our heads. We're like, well, everyone must hate us or everyone's judging us or thinking bad about us because we don't have the same thing, the same skills, the same talent, the same grades, the same extra stuff, just any little thing we kind of hold on to and use it against ourselves. So in the heat of all the social anxiety, other than tuning in to things that were substantial to you, how were you able to, or were you able to kind of change your thoughts to see that not everyone is thinking this way? Yeah, um, it was Halloween so like late October and I had no plans and I was just driving myself crazy I was like how can I not have plans on Halloween this is supposed to be like one of the fun nights and it was a Friday night so I was like really just trying to get out and do something and I texted one of the girls that I wasn't really close with on my field hockey team but um, we had some fun in school I was like, hey, are you doing anything tonight? And she said, yeah, we're actually going to this one girl's house. And they were all a year above me. Um, I really didn't know any of them, but I showed up to the party, not really knowing anyone. And those girls um, ended up being some of my closest friends at the end of it. And I think like once that shift happened, once I changed my environment, um, even just my friend group really kind of opened my eyes and it made the day as less like blurry um it didn't feel like I was living the same day over and over again because I had this new environment that I was living in that is so amazing a lot of times when we shift our environment when we change the people that we hang around when we find people who see us for ourselves and accept us and we see that we're not really alone it can have such an amazing impact on our mental health and can help reduce a lot of our anxiety. Yeah, I totally felt that. And, you know, the hardest step for me was actually just not like sitting with them at the lunch table. I walked in the lunchroom and I saw my old friend group here and my other friend group here. And I was like, all right, we're going to just make this step because they were, uh, they were, they were the juniors at the time and I was a sophomore. So it was a whole different section, but They welcomed me with open arms and they were all just really amazing girls. That makes me so happy. I'm so glad you were able to find that friend group. It's so important that you have people who make you feel wanted and make you feel seen and heard and valid. So earlier you mentioned therapy and starting therapy. What was that like for you? Yeah, so um, I have... I started therapy for the first time really when I was like nine and I had anxiety but I didn't really know what it was the only way it showed itself was um through storms 
and I am an active outdoors woman. My family is always hiking, fishing, skiing, you name it. And I noticed that every time there was a cloud in the sky, I would just have a panic attack when we were hiking and I wanted to get inside. So, and it was getting really bad because hiking and fishing are some of the things that I absolutely love to do. And I couldn't really do that anymore. So my mom sent me to therapy. Um, I didn't really know what was going on. I didn't really know it was a therapist. I just thought I was talking to some nice lady with a comfy couch. Um, but I think it di- I didn't really connect this storm anxiety to like all of my other anxiety that I had until I went to therapy the second time. Um, and luckily our counselors at my school that I go to are really, really helpful. Um, I know that's something that a lot of schools struggle with. So I'm very thankful that we have those counselors. And she set um, my mom up with a few therapists to check out. So I did like trial therapy sessions with three or four of them until I finally found the therapist that I have now who I absolutely love. Um, I found like the difference between a lot of therapists is some of them kind of make you tell your story. Some of them ask you a bunch of questions and some of them dive deep into your childhood. And the one I landed on was honestly just feels like a friend. And at the end, she gives me advice. She's like, okay, here are things you need to work on this week or do this, this, and this. She gives me like three things to do, which is very easy to focus on and not like this overwhelming advice. Um, But really she's just like, all right, what's new? And lets me just talk. It's like kind of a friendship and that works for me. Sometimes it doesn't work for other people. Some people need to be pushed a little more. Um, I definitely struggled with that at the beginning. Um, I think therapy was really hard for me at the beginning as well, because I found myself telling her what I think she wanted to hear. I'd be like, oh, I'm struggling with my friends, but I'm working through, like, I know how to do this. And, oh, like, I had one bad day, but I did self-care. And really, that wasn't the case. I was actually just really struggling and I needed to be honest about that and because she was here to help and she didn't want to hear how good I am. She wanted to help me get back to where I was. That is so insightful. And especially at such a young age to know that I have to be honest. A lot of people are afraid to be honest, especially in therapy, because they don't want to therapy has the stigma on it, right? Where people feel like they have to be crazy to go to therapy. So they don't want their therapist to see them as crazy or see something wrong with them. It's kind of like a way to validate yourself in a way. So when you're like, well, I know what to do, I'm doing this. And then that's not the case. The therapist doesn't know how to guide you. The therapist is a guide. They're not the, they're not a wizard. They're not going to solve all your problems, but they're going to help you through them. And I love that you were able to recognize that so young because people struggle with that for a very long time. And more importantly, you talked about going through different therapists and trials for different therapists, you said? Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that it takes time to find a therapist that worked for you. So when you were going through and talking to the different therapists and trying to find the right one, what were you looking for and what did you have in mind as you met with each one? Um, I I didn't really know, to be honest. 
the therapist I had when I was younger, I'm realizing now, like, probably wasn't the best fit for me. Um, so I feel like I had that idea of therapy in my mind when I was going through these people and I met someone exactly like her. And I was like, you know, this isn't really what I want to talk about. I don't really want to talk about my feelings. I just want to talk about my life. Um, and I think like starting with the what's going on in your surroundings and then working on working, like funneling it down to how is this affecting me was really a, an effective way for me to do therapy really. And I didn't realize that until later on. I just didn't really know what kind of therapist I wanted um, until I met the therapist that I liked. I think that is how a lot of people find the right therapist, right? Is you don't know what to look for. You don't know what you want until you talk with someone and you realize they're not a good fit or they are a good fit. But it's okay to try multiple therapists. I think a lot of people are afraid that one time they find someone and it doesn't work and they're like, that's it, I'm never going to try therapy again. So they don't get the help that they need. So I love that you were able to continue to try therapists until you found the right one. And was there like a defining moment when you realized that this therapist was the right one for you? Um, I don't know. I think it just happened over time. Like, um, I don't know. She's very similar to me. I'd say she's very outdoorsy and athletic and she always comes in with like the coolest outfits I've ever seen. She always has some new fashion item that she wants to tell me about. It's, um, I realized it's more of a conversation with her and it's, kind of, like I said, it's kind of like a friend, but someone that you can trust and someone that you don't have to worry about spilling all your secrets or not being there for you one day. Um, and, you know, it's really been helpful for me. I love that so much. And now you also mentioned that you are rising senior now. And how long ago did you start um, with this therapist? Uh, with the what? Oh, with this therapist. Oh, yeah. Um, sorry. I started, I want to say spring of my freshman year. So, um, you know, I, that's kind of when I first started going through my mental health journey. I was really struggling my spring of freshman year and that kind of carried through my sophomore year, which was the heart of it. Um, so spring of my freshman year was when I told my parents I needed some help. Um, and I kind of started with her and it was like once a month, like twice a month, maybe. And then I kind of ramped up my sessions to once a week um, throughout the fall of my sophomore year. And now I just text her every time I need a little refre refresher or Sometimes I FaceTime her or if I'm like in like crazy ramped with anxiety, I'll just text her like, hey, here's what's going on. What do you think? Not necessarily like a full on therapy session, but I know she's always there for me. I love that. Was there any fear of your friends finding? I know there's a lot of stigma, especially at a young age of going to therapy and what will my friends think? And you mentioned having social anxiety. So did you ever feel that stigma with going to therapy? 
Yeah, um, not so much going to therapy, but just like the struggles I faced in general. I mean, I dealt with, um, at the spring of my freshman year, I dealt with a little bit of self-harm. And I think that was, that subject itself is very taboo. I think we don't talk about it at all. And I think that was really hard for my friends to um, kind of deal with because they had no idea. And a lot of them kind of distanced themselves from me, which I totally understand. I mean, no one really knows how to handle it. Um, And I think they were more happy for me that I was in therapy, less than like, oh gosh, she's going crazy. But, um, you know, I definitely faced that stigma throughout my whole journey of my mental health. Yeah. I love that you were able to talk to your friends about it, even if they didn't react in the way that you wanted to. A lot of people are afraid to start that conversation. So the fact that you were able to start it just shows how strong you were and how much you wanted help and you wanted support. But when your friends started to kind of pull away from you, distance themselves a bit, what would you, looking back at it now, what kind of supportive statements or validation something would you have liked to have heard at that time? I don't really know if it was like the need for validation. I think it was just the need for someone to just be there and listen. I think myself included, I think we struggle with the fine line between listening and giving advice. And I totally, I'm one of the people that want to fix everything. And even when my friends talk to me about their mental health issues, I'm like, okay, here's what I did. Here's what I did. And more times we just need someone to listen and someone to be there for us. And I think that was really lacking because a lot of my friends didn't really know how to fix it. And I didn't really know how to tell them that, oh, I just need someone to be there for me. So that was really hard. It's really hard when you can't find someone to really listen to you and hear what you're saying without kind of telling you what to do. Because sometimes you even know what to do. You just don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Or thanks for telling me what to do, but I still don't know how to do it. Or I still feel alone and I just want someone to listen to me. Yeah. And I think that by recognizing that now, you can see that within your page, you're so determined to be supportive and having your DMs always open so that you can be that listening ear for someone that you kind of wish was there for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think um, we also kind of struggle with, like, the idea of invalidation. And uh, with mental health becoming more prevalent, you you tell people, like, oh, I'm really struggling with this. And they're like, girl, I know. And I'm like, no, but mine's different. Like, I think we have to look at everyone's case individually. We can't just talk about mental health as a whole. And... I think like there's a fine line between like talking about anxiety and um, you know, like when I'm having an anxious day and someone's like, Oh my God, I'm so anxious. And you don't really know if they're serious or not. And I think that part's just really, really hard, especially with talking to people about mental health. Exactly. There's a fine line between feeling the normal everyday level of anxiety that we need versus living with an anxiety disorder and facing anxiety attacks. 
And because we don't have these conversations, because it's not normal to really explain what you're going through and people don't know how to listen anymore, that we don't know what people are going through. And we kind of don't care to know what people are going through. We're like, oh yeah, I've been there. I've gone through that too. You're fine. And we kind of blow people off. And like you said, it's very invalidating, especially when we're so young and we're trying to have someone listen to us, right? We're trying to reach out for support and no one's really hearing us. And they're just telling us, oh, I've been there too. So then it's like, why do I feel this bad going through it if other people are going through it and they're fine? And it's very isolating. Yeah, I totally agree. It's really amazing that you've been able to take your story, your pain and what you went through and use that to create a Instagram account that's focused on support and awareness. Awareness is so important. And one thing I love about your Instagram account is that you have its issues we all face. Like you're not alone in what you're going through. And a lot of people feel so alone, especially because of that invalidation, like you said. So I just commend you for being such a beautiful, bright light. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me.